Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, provincial affairs reporter Emma Grady. And with me today, Sarah O'Donnell. Good morning. How are you? Fine, thank you. You have really glittery eyeshadow on. Yeah, I accidentally bought some that has super sparkle and it seems to have exploded all over (laughs) my face. Glitter is forever. Paula Simons. Whereas I couldn't find my lip gloss at all, so you're looking at my bare naked face. (laughs) And it's lovely, Paula. And you're feeling better now? I am feeling better. If my voice starts to crickle crackle (laughs) towards the end, you'll know that I am still fighting this little bit of laryngitis. And Grant Thompson. Uh, Glitter free. Glitter free. Since, what, 2016? <laughs> yeah, I'm cutting back. In the I feel last like year. I feel like you've got a lot of like internal glitter, though. Oh, like your you spirit exudes glitter. Right. <laughs> you, you gals are too young to remember Gary Glitter, who was a glam. I've had him glam rock guy. Oh yeah, we should start calling him Graham, glitter. Graham Glitter. Graham Sparkles Thompson. Yeah, that's me. The Press Gallery Podcast, bringing glitter back to Alberta politics. <laughs> But really, there's some real news, right, Emma? There is. We got real topics? Yeah. All right. This is the UNITY Unity edition. Excellent. Thank that you. was That was Emma channeling Queen Latifah. It was a thing. Oh, yeah. Queen Latifah has a great song called Unity or UNITY. And I'm not going to recite the lyrics, but you should go and listen to it. Yeah. The saxophone solo at the front is, is really something to behold. So, of course, yes, it was always going to happen that we're always just going to spend a whole podcast talking about the unity vote after it happened, which it did six days ago. And Paula, you were just saying, was it really six days ago? Oh, it feels like a lifetime. <laughs> a lot. Uh, There's been a lot. A lot. A, lot, a, lot, a yeah. lot has happened since the unity vote because, so I mean, we're much. not going to be talking about the unity vote. We're going to be talking about everything that happened after the unity vote. And it was so much. Briefly, we will talk about the yes. unity vote. Yes. I, I don't mean that we're not <laughs> going to talk about it, but I mean, it's already old news. Yeah. It's it's, you know, it's not moving quite as fast as the news out of the Trump White House, but it's <laughs> going on at a pretty But, you know, pace. at this point last week, you know, when I, I was still on vacation, but tuning into the podcast, you know, those of us in the room and those of us on vacation thinking we still weren't 100% sure that this was going to happen, right? We were, I think everybody was pretty confident that the progressive conservatives were going to meet their threshold to, you know, say yes to unity. But yep. the question was the wild rose. Will the wild rose get enough or will they get just inch past 75? I wondered if that magic. 77% number would come up in Alberta <laughs> politics. But, uh, you know, they not, they certainly did. They well well exceeded 75% to 95% of those who cast their ballots. Yeah, yeah I, and I have to say, I, I was shocked. I was at a family wedding on Saturday and I was sneaking, you know, my daughter said, stop looking at your phone. I have to look at my phone. It's important. <laughs> and when I saw the 95% from the Wild Rose, I did a double take because I thought I must, I must have read that wrong. I never, I you know, if I laid money, I... I never would have expected they would get to a 95 threshold. I had actually a bet on with Jason Markazoff that it would be, it wouldn't exceed 81%. So now I owe Jason Markazoff a beer. Well, there yeah. you go. What You guys were in Red Deer though, right? Oh, you know it. We're in Red yeah, Deer. We so what was the mood like in that room at that now, point? This was, um, so the thing is, the PCs held a referendum over three days. People voted online. Uh, 
and by phone. The Wild Rose actually had a, a mini special general meeting in Red Deer. People could still vote online. It was their or, first ever special general meeting. Or show up and in their person. last. <laughs> yes, and so um, yeah, they were excited. You know, people in the room were were all geared up to uh, get this ninety-five percent, uh, and they got you know they got the ninety-five percent of those who voted. To me, it was interesting, and I was surprised by it was so high, but also I was surprised that the turnout was so low, 55% for the Conservatives, 57% for the Wild Rose. And for the PCs, uh, about 25,000 roughly people voted in favor in both parties, roughly. Um, but 55% turnout. Like This was uh, something that Kenny had been talking about for a year, that they'd been pushing for, the, you know, for, for two months, and the turnout seemed to be Low now. I got into a bit of a Twitter fight this week with people a over rare this. Graham Thompson quit Twitter fight, <laughs> in, including Jason Kenny, including Jason Kenny, and they just were so angry at me saying low turnout, and they kept comparing it to well general elections, and then they compared it to the uh, unity of the federal level a decade ago. But the thing is, they had a really small audience to go after, yeah. and they knew who these people were. They signed up for the party. It seemed that those who signed up in the last few months all voted. The thing is, the called the legacy PC members didn't, and they got to ask why. So it was a really low turnout. So yes, ninety-five percent they won it, but also the thing is, Kenny right now still on his um, Twitter page says this is little his little logo. Ninety-five percent of PC members vote yes to unity. No, it's ninety-five percent of members who actually. 95% of 52% or 55%. 55%, yeah. yeah. So 95% of those who actually cast a ballot. And to me, this is important because a lot of PC members have just left the party, have moved on. They're going to other areas like the Alberta Together group. Yep. The Liberals want to pick them up. The NDP wants to pick them up. There's a lot of people out there who were PC members who have moved on. And this does seem to me, based on that, that vote results, this is a Kenny takeover of the party. This is not the old PC party merging with the Wild Rose. This is Kenny took over the party in the last year, and this new Kenny party is the one that's moved into the Wild Rose. So I have a question. Of the 25,000 who voted in each of those two races, how much overlap is there? I mean, how many? We I mean, do are not there, know. I mean, are You'll there, there 50,000 people? Are there 30,000 people? Are there the, the question same, same 25,000 people? I noticed it. It could, in theory, be the same 25,000 people. It could actually have been the same people because, of course, Absolutely. if you had a membership in Wild Rose, you could also hold one in PC and you could both vote. Yeah. You could vote, sorry, in, in both of the in um, fact, referendums. In fact, Kenny was encouraging that. You know, his, his old joke was mm-hmm. uh, vote early, vote often. And it's a good question, Paula, is that, you know, they will eventually know when they merge the two parties' membership lists, they, they, they'll know... Um, who, who's in the party, but we'll never really know who voted in that race, uh, how much overlap there was. Well, they're saying that they now have 90,000 members in the United Conservative Party because of the merge lists and then I guess some more people have already bought memberships. There's 50,000 um, PC members, right? And 40,000? Yep. 43,000. 43,000. That's, that's 93,000. That seems... No, there was that- overlap in there. That, that that doesn't seem possible. I mean, we know there's overlap. We know people were holding memberships in both parties. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how many, though. I mean, you'd have to no, be fairly, yeah, fairly dedicated to spend money on both. It's I only 20 think. bucks. If you hate the NDP, 20 bucks is not much. I suppose. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's what they were kind of banking on. Earlier, Sarah, you asked about Red Deer. Mm-hmm. So first thing in the morning from 8 till 9.30, they had a debate because the Wild Rose had to have a debate when they introduced a motion. That's just how their constitution works. I was listening to it at home in bed with my cat because that's how <laughs> I roll. Uh, and 
it was interesting listening to it because there were still people there. They had a yes microphone set up and a no microphone. And people were still on the fence saying, I'm still on the fence, but frankly, I don't like what you're doing right now. But Scott Sear hosted it. And he would say, he would kind of introduce people like, oh, and at the Yes microphone, oh, this is a long time Wild Rose member, such and such from such and such a board, and you've done such a great job for the party. What are your thoughts? So you have a minute. But it would hardly ever happen on the no microphone. And towards the end, one guy pointed out, was like, I'm, I hate the fact you keep cutting off the no's and you don't cut off the yeses. Cutting off the no's. It's Graham Glitter with another <laughs> with another singer. <laughs> but the feeling in the room, um, and we got there about two o'clock in the afternoon, and it was everyone was kind of just milling around because they had this day of every now and again an MLA would go to a speech about unity and how great it is and what a wonderful idea, and then up towards the very end of the vote, Derek Fildebrand was the last one to have last MLA to have a say, which of course he loved, as he pointed out. And, um, yeah, then they got it, and it was much happiness, much rejoicing, uh, lots of cheering. Brian Jean came out to come together by the Beatles. And somewhere, somewhere, Danielle Smith is laughing and laughing and laughing. Well, do you think, though, because, I mean, I, one thing about this, so, to get, you know, Brian Jean and Jason Kenney accomplished what Jim Prentice and Danielle Smith could not in their efforts to bring the Conservative Party together. That that didn't work. It uh, ended in, obviously, we know this the election with the NDP government uh, and the Wild Rose and the Conservatives PC still separate. So I don't oh, know. I don't it, know. It was, no, it was a coup. Yeah. It, look, Kenny set out a year ago to say, I'm going to run for the PC leadership, win the leadership, and then bring both parties together. Um, he, he, he accomplished that. You know, the, the PC party is gone, in effect. Uh, and so the Wild Rose party is will soon be gone as well. So this is an accomplishment in Alberta politics, and now he's moving on to win the leadership of this new United Conservative Party. To your point, Sarah, um, I guess the difference is he made it plain what his plan was, mm-hmm. right? The, ho- the the former thing was done behind closed doors, and that didn't sit That's well right. with Albertans, Exa- right? Exactly. It did not. It did not. And it wasn't a complete, it wasn't a total... Um, no. process and there were still some people who were left on the wild rose side so the different there were remnants still left behind where in this case there's still you know we still have one pc mla as of right now but uh, we can talk Starkey. about that yeah. that's right because that's the thing i mean we can call it unity and it was unity for all oh, three hours and now you know and now everybody is fracturing it at each other's i mean it's fratricide all over again let's talk about richard starkey graham yeah um he has refused to join the UCP. Interesting, maybe it's a sidebar, maybe not. Um, is this a floor crossing? And this is an issue oh, we're getting into this week. I had a 15-minute debate with Brian Jean about this yesterday. He gen- Then he pulled out a hockey analogy, and I'm like, Brian, I don't understand your North American sports. <laughs> <laughs> don't use hockey. Can we, can we go to cricket or something? Anyway. Yeah, because the Wild Rose took it really seriously. People do not change parties. If, if you're elected as a Wild Rose MLA, you stay a Wild Rose MLA. Maybe you can sit as an independent, but you're still re- representing your people. But if you change parties, that's wrong. In fact, there was a $100,000 fine, wasn't it, that they agreed to pay. The thing is, they have actually changed parties. Now, they're arguing, no, the voters had a say in this. No, the voters did not. Members of the party, those who joined the party, had a say, but not the general public. The people who elected Brian Jeanan as a Wild Rose MLA did not vote to move him to the UCP. He moved there on his own with the party's blessing, not with the blessing of voters. Now, you can argue a person who's voted in as an MLA 
is an MLA on his own or her own without being a member of the party. Like, technically, this was actually happening, but of course, in effect, they're elected as Wild Rose MLAs, not independent MLAs. Now, I mean, this is exactly why we have the Westminster parliamentary system, which allows for floor crossings mm-hmm. and party changing. The problem isn't that they violated the rules. The problem is that they made up previously their own special set of rules right. that, that were going to make them more special and more pure, and they would never indulge in this kind of you know betrayal of their voters, and so they're hoist on their own petard. I can a- I can see what they're saying though. I mean, in this case, it was their their party. They don't their party doesn't isn't going to exist anymore, and they're new United Conservative Party has been recognized now by the Speaker of the Assembly as the official opposition. So it's it's I can I can see both sides on this, but I think that it is different from other floor crossings in that there is no party for them to continue to remain as Wild Rose MLAs. That's not going to exist. Do you want to know what Brian Jean's argument was? So sure. He likened it to, again, he used hockey. Ugh. But... I like hockey. Go. <laughs> okay, so his his point was you have a team and your team has a coach and it has a captain. Now, just because that team moves to another city and gets different jerseys, it's still the same team. Oh, that's a very poor analogy. I'm sorry. Really? You, I was thinking it was pretty good. No, if you move from <laughs> if you move from Atlanta to Calgary, you are not the same hockey team. You can even keep if your you same. Have all, you, you know have what? all the same if players. You have, if you cheered for the Quebec Nordiques and you still cheer for the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche, Avalanche, how did I just say that? <laughs> My gosh. Avalanche. The, the Avalanche. Um, the Avalanche. No, I mean, you can still have those loyalties because a lot of people who have had teams leave their cities remain loyal to those teams. So I absolutely buy that analogy. Well, there you go. Um, maybe it's a Fort McMurray thing. Maybe yeah. it is. A, I, <laughs> maybe. Maybe it is, or maybe it's just, yes, right-thinking so, people. So Richard, Richard Starkey is going to keep his Nordiques jersey. Uh, Richard Starkey, we'll remind people, was a leadership candidate who ran against Kenny and made an argument to save the progressive conservative party. It's funny because I'd never thought of Richard Starkey as particularly progressive in his previous incarnations, but he has suddenly emerged as, you know, the last standing representative of the Peter Lougheed progressive conservative legacy in the legislature. And so, you know, all six foot 12 of him, um, (laughs) he stands tall in every sense. So it's going to be fascinating to see um, you know, and and just as the speaker has recognized the UCP, the speaker has also said, you were elected a progressive conservative. You want to call yourself a progressive conservative? You go right ahead. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see how long he sits as a PC slash independent or whether he and Greg Clark are going to have some coffee in the terrible ledge cafeteria and, and talk about things. Um, they should do it on Thursday. It's pizza day. Uh, pizza no, heals over. I don't mind their coffee. Paul's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, oh, no. I'm in a studio with idiots. The question, the question still is, will uh, he be allowed to sit as a PC MLA because they may kick him out of the caucus? Because the PC party still exists. Yep. And the head of that party right now is Nathan Cooper. So, Because Nathan Cooper heads interim leader of the UCP. They control both the Wild Rose and the, the uh, PC brand or the in, in the House, basically. So I asked Cooper this week, um, will you be booting out um, – uh, Richard Starkey from the caucus, and he said, uh, be a few, we're discussing it. Be a, you know, a few days, we'll figure something out. Because they don't want Starkey in there for the very reasons that Paul is talking about as being the symbol, the last, you know, last PCMLA in captivity. Come, <laughs> come and see him in, in action. 
<laughs> so they don't want him to be, you know, he'll sit as an independent eventually. Now, of course, the question is, um, post-vote, things are starting to fall into place in some ways. Um, of course, the Alberta Party under Greg Clark would love to have Richard Starkey join bet. them and double the size of their caucus. Uh, we got the Alberta Together group had a bit of a meeting on Monday night at a bar in downtown Edmonton. These are these are the old progressive conservatives who have left the party. You got uh, Stephen Kahn was there. Stephen Mandel, a former mayor and minister of health, was there. Um, a lot of old and new PC members were there, thinking, "What can we do?" And right now they're looking at joining our forces with the Alberta Together group, sorry, with the um, Alberta Party, and Greg Clark was there as well talking to them. So they're hoping maybe to use that as a vehicle to rally the moderates before the next election. And of course, on the other side, when it comes to new parties, you've got the fracture from Wild Rose. Uh, you've got Marilyn Burns, who actually having a meeting on Saturday in Nisku uh, to talk about starting Wild Rose 2.0. Because this is this is the thing. I mean, you can vote all you like. There is going to be a disaffected right rump. I shouldn't even call it rump. That's not fair. But there's there's a disaffected wing of the Wild Rose Party who are never going to accept this merger, who are always going to think that the whole purpose of being the Wild Rose Party was to, you know, be, to be the not conservative party. Uh, they felt and, the tent was too big. Yep. And then we'll have to see, because Derek Fildebrandt, I mean, that's the other thing. Now we have a full-on leadership race. So we have four candidates in. Um, Derek, not actually well, in yet. Oh, not in no. yet, I guess. No. So who's officially in? Uh, Jean? Only Gene and Schweitzer. Yeah, and so this weekend we're expecting Kenny to announce on Saturday. <laughs> he has two events, one in Edmonton at 10. Yes, and then <laughs> Derek Filderbrand is the one who is, uh, you know, thinking what he might do next. One thing he knows for sure, <laughs> he will never support Brian G. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, because this is, this is like they were elected and, and Filderbrand was Gene's wingman and they were going to be a team and they were going to be, you know, uh, and then we saw in the last few days Filderbrand going on the attack against Gene uh, more forcefully, in fact, these maybe got on the tack against the NDP of late. You know, um, articles in the Rebel, ads in the Rebel. Um, you know, these slights on Gene, um, and it's it's fascinating because if Fildebrandt, you know, he's made it pretty plain that if this new party isn't as right wing as he would like it to be, isn't as libertarian as he would like it to be, so what is he going to do? Is he then going to split? Uh, do we have the, you know, the Judean People's Front versus the People's Front for the Liberation <laughs> of Judea? Uh, I mean, these guys are splitters from 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 way back. Sorry, that's a Monty Python Monty joke. Python, and I give you full marks for that. That's good. Um, so, a, a Monty Python analogy at any point is worth it. <laughs> well, Fildebrand, and it was interesting because uh, Don Braid, our Calgary Herald colleague, asked him, so are you going to support... Brian Jean and he and this was on Saturday before the vote had finished, before it was counted, before the outcome was known, and he went, "I will never support Brian Jean in a leadership race." Yeah, and it certainly just—it was one of those things that distracted from the, or you know, it was a from the unity unity outcome because immediately, yeah, we were going. It was kumbaya, but screw you! I'm throwing your goddamn schmores into the fire right now and running away. Right. I mean, I are we under any illusions, Jason Kenny? is a master politician. He masterminded this whole thing. I mean, love him or hate him, you have to have respect, however grudging, for the political machine that he represents. He is the Zamboni, if we're going to go with hockey analogies, right? I mean, <laughs> he just ran everybody right down. Um, I can't, I cannot imagine a scenario in which he does not emerge as the leader of this united party. I mean, I, 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 
I, I, of course, I did also didn't see a scenario where they got 95% of the vote. So, but I mean, short of short of being struck by lightning, I can't, you know, I can't imagine a narrative in which he does not emerge as the leader. I can, but you're you're right that he's he's done a very good job, and we know that he will work extremely hard. I mean, that's what we can count on is that he will absolutely be working all out for the next many months to to win that post. I mean, we I feel like three months is a long time in a leadership contest. And that's my only reason for saying I can imagine there being possible other outcomes, because I feel like a lot could happen in three months. But uh, yes, we'll, we'll save Kenny we'll, has proven himself to be a force to yeah, be sure. The thing we'll, is, we'll, we'll save this audio for when I'm proven <laughs> wrong. when you know, Or when well, you're proven right. And Sarah says, well, I could. <laughs> yeah, we're hedging our bets last week at this point about the actual outcome of the unity. But on paper, Gina is a front runner. I could say that in terms of people like him, he's better known. Public opinion polls show him uh, to be more likable and well-liked than um, than Kenny. Uh, of course, he is the leader of the Wild Rose. It's the official, well, at least it was the official opposition. A lot of things going in his favor. But I agree with uh, Paula. Um, in a sense, Kenny has not yet begun to fight for the UCP mm-hmm. leadership. He was really busy in the last year winning the PC leadership. Did that, you know, by attracting people who really weren't PC members into the tent. They made him the leader. Then he pushed for this unity that Brian Jean did not want. A year ago, Brian Jean, or even last fall, Brian Jean was not in favor of, of a formal merger of any kind. And Kenny got, won that, and now he's moving. Now he is starting to fight for what we'll see starting tomorrow, the UCP leadership. So Kenny is just very methodical, as opposed to Gene, who's first out the gate, really, in terms of uh, uh, of these two. And he began campaigning. He's very passionate about uh, campaigning, and that's uh, Brian Gene. But Kenny is very methodical and smart and exceptionally hardworking. I mean, he did not he did not do this to create a united party for Brian Gene to lead. Uh, you know, he, now. That said, a year of little faith. He doesn't mind who leads Paula. He yeah. said that so many times. Yes, yes, yes. So he needs to win the leadership. Then he has to wait for a by-election and win a seat, because it's pretty hard to establish your bona fides as a, you know, as the premier in waiting, if that's what you want to position yourself to be, uh, without being in the in the legislature. So well, it has happened in the past. We yep. saw well, Danielle Smith, of course, wasn't was leader, but yet didn't have a seat. Um, and she eventually won a seat. But, um, well, the thing is, so let's say he becomes a leader. They have a founding convention next year. He, it's only a year to the next election. So, yeah, somebody has to, sit, has to step down from, or he could lead the party in a sense by going around the province while the session's on, drumming up support. Well, I mean, there's, there's plenty of precedent for that in Alberta mm-hmm. politics. I mean, Aberhart, um, who was, you know, one of Alberta's most powerful and long-serving premiers, uh, when the social credit won, he wasn't he wasn't in the house. I don't think he'd even run in the no, election. He, he, he didn't even run in the election. Yeah. he ran in a by election and he won it. Uh, it was uh, High River Okotoks, I believe. The thing is, um, of course, then they brought in recall legislation hmm. in thirty six, nineteen thirty six. Then they had to um, scrap that legislation because the very first person targeted for recall was Bible Bill Aberhart himself. <laughs> So they said, uh-oh, this is bad. So went back and actually grandfathered backwards this new <laughs> law, saying it never actually took effect ever. 
Oh, Alberta. <laughs> well, I mean, and you mentioned recall legislation. I mean, what a blast from the past then, right? To have then, you know, Brian Jean today, in this past week. So he, he announced what I thought was so fast. I thought, why would you announce your leadership so fast at first? But now I understand. I think I understand the strategy better a few days in because he's now had three or four days of coverage about uh, different policy platforms. He had the announcing the 2.6 uh million billion billion thank you why did i write million in immediate cuts um and you know but you know and then kind of not being specific but saying oh well it'll be from frozen salaries and you know attrition and stuff like that so that was in calgary and talk, some specifics about reducing the business tax but then here in edmonton he did the thing on personal freedoms which when i saw that news release go out i thought oh well what on earth is this gonna be uh <laughs> but it included everything from recall legislation which oh recall legislation and i have a I don't know how I feel about that. Well, I do know how I feel about that. We'll it's, go into it's that. It's a gimmick. That's it, what it is. Yes, it is not about me. Um, and then the photo, but the photo radar, you know, a referendum on getting rid of photo radar, and the referendum on getting on equalization, which I mean, makes me crazy. Well, but, it's so. But it's at the so same time, stupid. so all of this, some specific platforms for people who have been wondering, well, what is this new party going to stand for? He's starting to put some rough ideas out about what he thinks it would stand for. I mean, the, I mean. Everybody hates photo radar. So, you know, that gets the David Staples vote. That's fine. Uh, but, but a referendum on equalization. Let us think about this for a moment. Equalization is a federal program. It's a federal program. Should I say that again? It's a federal program. Um, who used to be in the federal government the last time that they revamped the, you know, the equalization formula? Oh, wait, that would be Brian Jean and Jason Kenney. Did they revamp the equalization formula in a way that Brian Jean now seems to favor? Nope. I don't think they even discussed it. So the idea that that these form, you know, that a former Harper MP wants Albertans to vote on a fake referendum that is it's a completely meaningless political To be fair, the ah. referendum is is asking Albertans whether they want Ottawa to open up discussions on equalization. <laughs> what is that? The Constitution. It's phony. The answer is yes. That is the phoniest question. You know, would would you like Ottawa to open discussions? You can't. I mean, but, and let, but let I, me say I that. I would like a pony. I brought all this up because <laughs> in terms of a political strategy and in terms of getting a message out right now in a week when there's not a lo- lot else going on in Alberta politics, I'd say he's been successful. Those stories, to my surprise, have been amazingly well read online. I thought at first, I thought, oh, policy announcements right now? Like, that's not, who's going to read stories about that? They're doing, people are clicking on them. They are certainly uh, something that people are reading. And I don't know if it's because it's people trying to figure out what, across Alberta, what this new party will stand for, or if it's people who are members of the UCP just now interested in what the leadership race is, is doing, or if it's NDP trying to figure out. I, I don't know who I don't know who it is who's clicking on these stories and reading them, but I do know that people are reading them. A lot of people, yeah. No, I, I, I'd agree. In fact, people, yes, you're right, people do interested in this. There is that perception that Alberta gives more money to Ottawa than we get back. Um, but Alberta does not transfer money. Alberta just doesn't come here and just take money of the Treasury. This is, harkens back to Ralph Klein, 2006. He was talking about opting out of equalization, if you remember that. I do. And people were saying, well, you, you can't opt out. It's a federal program. It's like opting out of the, the armed forces. Um, and uh, today, if they were to somehow scrap 
the, all the transfer payments and equalization, it wouldn't change the fact that we still send tax dollars to Ottawa. If, if you, you pay federal taxes, whether you're in Edmonton, Calgary, St. John's, Vancouver, Toronto, you pay the same level of taxes based on your income to Ottawa that everybody else does in the country. It's that Ottawa then takes that money and figures out who should get it to try and lead, uh, to um, level out the playing field for, for provinces. Now, if you want to argue that we should get more money back, you know, that's an argument that you can say. You can say, well, you know, Quebec gets a disproportionate number. We should get more funding for our arts programs, for our LRT, I mean, whatever. But that is a, that is a different question. That is a fundamentally different question. It's a platform that will get policy wonks talking, and it'll make policy wonks crazy. But in the if but shorthand, whatever shorthand, whatever code it's for in you know quick uh, speech Alberta politics, I think it'll it'll send the message that I'm going to fight for Alberta. That's no, right. what it, it, that's it, what it does. But from to a, me, it yeah. plays on people's who don't understand how the system works. And you're right. Politically, it's a cheap shot that actually gets people's attention and their support, even though. Uh, they're Gene and Kenny are being very disingenuous at, ba- at best. <laughs> the thing is, now on this issue about him bringing up policy, to me there's an interesting thing here is that they keep telling us this party, like the Wild Rose, is grassroots. Mm-hmm. The members decide policy. By the way, here's the policy. <laughs> and yeah. he has three or four days of policy. So I asked him, like, well, hold on for a second. How can you be giving policy when you say the founding convention next year will be the one determining policy based on the members. And he was saying, well, this is where he hopes the party will go, but he's saying, I'll put these ideas out. Ultimately, the, the members then decide by you know, voting well, him as you know, as And that's fair enough. Leader. Put the ideas out for discussion. And then, yeah. you know, uh, and Sarah's right. Then we see the medal of the man. We like so, ideas. So meanwhile, poor Nathan Cooper is, is the leader pro tem, uh, the interim leader of this united party. Um, it's going to be like herding cats for him. He comes into this position quite well liked by people in the legislature, but carrying a lot of baggage from his mm. earlier incarnation as a member and spokesperson for um, Canada Family Action. Yeah, which was a very right of center um, uh, family values, uh, in air quotes, organization vehemently opposed to not just to gay marriage, but to, you know, any kind of um, homosexuality, um, vehemently opposed to abortion. Now, uh, Nathan Cooper has said um, in response to some, you know, some really damaging quotes from his past that have been popping up in memes all over the Internet that, you know, that he's changed his mind, that he's matured about these things. I'm hoping to have a talk with him next week about, you know, what made him change his mind about gay rights. We'll see. One of the really interesting things that he said just briefly before we um, wrap it up, he answered that question and said, I've had a lot of discussions with my NDP, my colleagues across the floor, and I've um, come to realize different things. I've come to know different things and I've changed my mind. I was so interested that he swung it that way to be like, I've spoken with the NDP and you know what? They've, they've, you know, opened my eyes to some things. And now I have different opinions. I was very interested in his response. It's interesting as well that um, they both do to each other. They bring up quotes from the past and say, ah, that person hasn't changed. If the person has changed, ah, that person really hasn't changed. Because the Wild Rose has been attacking the NDP for comments that they've made in the past or the fact that they've got some people um, who are hired as uh, chiefs of staff, whatever, Mm -hmm. who are anti-pipeline in Ottawa. And now, so Wadro says, no, they cannot change, but we can change. We can evolve. <laughs> they can't evolve. And vice versa. They do yeah, it to each other. They do. Yeah. So the, the big issue people really care about is what do you believe today 
and what we, and how does that impact on public policy? Yeah, if you can believe what you like, but if if um, you're not going to make it impact public policy, why does it even matter? All right, now that is all we have time for. But we move to our regular segment, good stuff from the gallery. Sarah, what do you have for us today? Well, um, I would recommend a piece that. It- it didn't wouldn't have gotten a lot of attention probably out here, but I read it in the Toronto Star while I was on vacation. So this is a few weeks old, but it is a local government story that was just so ridiculous and bizarre. I have to share it. Uh, so <laughs> and apologies if you did happen to already read this on the Star, but it's about a place in called Whitchurch Stoufville in the you know southern Ontario. Their mayor had a wall of enemies in his city (laughs) hall bathroom. This was not just a couple of pictures on his wall of enemies, but like many dozens of people appeared and somebody, you know, got wind of this wall. This is in a public building after all in his, I guess, you know, office. But, uh, and the, and the, Ultimately, the tr- and someone's complained to the ethics commissioner, the integrity commissioner that oversees this particular jurisdiction. But they've also um, somebody the, the Toronto Star managed to get someone to get in and get a picture of this wall, which would you know. And they did a who's who on the wall. <laughs> so I'll share the links with Emma, and she can put those up. But if you didn't get a chance to read it, just because Amazing. it is so bizarre, it included political opponents, it included city councilors, it included current and former city staffers, and it included one of the reporters in the Toronto Star. <laughs> So Classic. it was just a lesson that, you know, if you're going to have your wall of enemies, probably do it at home in your basement, on your bulletin board, not in your public office. Yeah, that's a good lesson for all of us. Do you suppose, <laughs> um, do you suppose, <laughs> suppose Donald Trump is going to have the ceilings re- <laughs> the, 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 I have another one, too, but I'm going to save it to see if anyone else is going to say it. Okay, Paula? So speaking of people who change their minds about gay rights, I thought uh, our pal Jason Markasoff, uh, wrote a beautiful piece in McLean's this week about a, uh, I'm not going to say who the MP is because you'd be a surprise, uh, about a conservative MP uh, who was previously quite adamantly opposed to gay rights and the gay agenda and homosexuality until his beloved grandson took him aside and said, Papa, I have something important to tell you. Huh. And now said MP goes to pride events and puts up the pride flag and uh it's a really interesting piece about somebody whose core values are changed by the realization that, hey, look, I love somebody who is this thing that I was demonizing, and turns out I love them a lot. Oh, that um, was a good piece. I've got a couple of pieces about rural America this week. Two that kind of struck me here, um, and they they both hark back to cuts that are being made under the Trump administration about specifically to rural America, which of course was one of his big big base votes. Um, there's a New York Times story about the death of a small grocery store in rural Colorado and the, the the nearest one is 80 miles away and what that means for the community. And I think here in Alberta, it's something that that kind of thing happens, you know, all across rural Canada. And another one from the Washington Post about the divide uh, between folks in rural America who get disability checks and those who work and the sometimes very public shaming of, um, of one another. Uh, Graham? Um, actually, a movie. Um, I recommend Dunkirk oh. came out last week. It's got a really good reviews. It's a really well done movie. It's about, of course, the um, evacuation of British and French troops through uh, 1940 from the port of Dunkirk, who are being surrounded by the uh, the Germans. And uh, it's really well done. I'm going to go see it again because it's well done. Plus, um, it jumps around in time. It's, it goes it's, it's different points of view. People on the beach, people in the air, and the and the, uh, the fighter, um, the Spitfires, and then people in the little little ships. 
So it's, it's really well done. It's interesting. The Americans, um, some critics were saying, uh, were actually upset that other critics were talking about how the the British managed to get 300,000 troops off. And they said, you just spoiled the movie for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did you mean the Titanic song? <laughs> It's a really good movie. And I, and I think, you know, you're all going to read the piece in The New Yorker. So That's, we don't, we don't yeah. need to recommend the piece in The New Yorker. Y'all yeah. read it already. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Sarah, Paula, Graham, and Sean Butts, who is here to film a bit of this and put it online at edmontonjournal.com, where you can find all the past episodes of the Press Gallery podcast. You can also sign up to SoundCloud, iTunes, and TuneIn Radio and get all of the latest episodes streamed right to your device. Hooray! Yay. Wonders of modern technology. Hope you join us again this time next week on the Press Gallery. Thank you.